Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Dr. Katrina Ubel. For over a decade, Katrina yo-yo dieted, lost and gained the same 40 pounds, and used food to cope with her emotions. This was all happening while she was working as a pediatrician in a busy private practice and raising three kids. It wasn't until Katrina learned how to manage her mind and develop an intuitive approach to intermittent fasting that honors how our bodies are meant to function that she was able to regain her energy and permanently lose 40 pounds without dieting, exercising until exhaustion, or restricting herself. She now works with other busy physicians as a master certified life and weight loss coach. We have a conversation on emotional eating, creating personal food plans, tips for choosing the nutritious choice over the dopamine hit quick fix, and body image. We do discuss weight loss heavily on this episode, so if that topic is triggering, tune back next week. We hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy boosting treat to a health enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. We're looking forward to chatting with you. And I think this is going to be really interesting, um, not only for 
all of our listeners, but if any of our listeners are medical professionals, which we know there are some, I think this is going to be specifically really um, tailored to them in a way too. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited to offer that. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and how that sort of led you into this wellness work that you do now? Yeah. So I worked for over 10 years as a private practice pediatrician. So I'm an MD physician and just, you know, like the typical, like I'm going to be a professional and I'm going to live this great life. I'm going to get through my training and everything's going to be amazing. Right. And through basically, I mean, if I'm really being honest, like I've always had a sweet tooth, you know, so like basically my whole life, you know, I, I've probably had um, an unhealthy or less than healthy relationship with food, but it really became an issue once I went to medical school and um, then did my training, my residency, because what ends up happening is you, you end up basically like giving up your whole existence, like all of your hobbies, all the things you enjoy, you give everything up. And it's like the stepwise approach. It happens really gradually. So you don't realize it's happening until it's already happened. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like I literally have nothing in my life except my job and medicine and everything I'm doing here. And so I just relied on Old Faithful, which was food to help me to just cope and to feel better. And it was my reward and my treat and it was something to do when I was happy and when I was sad. And it was just something I was really interested in. I loved watching Food Network. I loved buying beautiful cookbooks. Like, I mean, you know, it just was like something that I was really interested in anyway. And I would tell myself it was okay because I was like a big fan of like the Cooking Light magazine. I'm like, no, but it's light, you know, like things like that. But I really struggled with my weight and I would gain and lose the same 40 pounds over and over and over again. I'm a Lifetime Weight Watchers member and I've, gosh, I've gone back so many different times. So I could lose weight counting points. Like I could white knuckle my way down. I could totally do that, but I could not maintain my weight loss for longer than literally like, I, and I'm not exaggerating when I say a couple of days. I just really did not understand how to eat like a normal person who isn't actively gaining weight and Weight Watchers, you know, they're kind of, and not to like bag on them or anything, but just since that was a framework that I was using, they are like, you know, saying that you should be counting points the rest of your life. And I knew I wasn't willing to do that. Right. So I was willing to do it to like a means to an end, but I still kept believing, like, I think it's going to be better when I'm thin. Like, like then I think maybe I will be able to just moderate the way that I eat sugar and sweets and stuff like, you know, it's, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. And then of course, every time that was not the case and I would go on vacation and I gained a few pounds and it was just this gradual creep. And then I had like three different sets of work clothes, you know, in my closet, different sizes. And then I'd gradually creep up. And when the biggest size pants that I had were getting snug, then it was like, okay, here we go. And I was back to Weight Watchers again. It was just this cycle. And then I had some pregnancies in there. And I mean, it was just constantly weight gain or weight loss it was like, basically if we were going to write a book about my twenties and thirties. That would be the title, like yo-yo dieting. Like that was basically what was going on. And so what happened for me is that I was approaching 40. I knew I was done having kids. I had lost the baby weight again with Weight Watchers, like pinky swore to myself, like, I mean, at this time, I'm not going to lose, I'm not going to gain this weight back. And I did. And I was so frustrated and disappointed with myself. And so I was approaching 40. I was kind of having a whole life reevaluation as one tends to with the milestone birthdays, right? It's really thinking like, what just my whole life, all of it what is happening here. And I started thinking with my weight, like, maybe what I'm doing isn't working. Like it took me that long to go like, maybe I have to do something else. And so I tried a few other things. Like I tried working with a nutritionist. I tried different things, but none of it seemed to really work for my specific life as a doctor. Like there's certain things, like a lot of people have flexibility in their jobs. A lot of doctors like really don't like, or they, the nutritionist would ask me to do things in the middle of clinic. And I'm like, okay, but when I am 40 minutes behind and there's like these kids who need a nap, you know, and the mom is like, is so annoyed. Like, I'm not going to take 10 minutes to eat a snack. Like, I'm just not going to do that, you know? Yeah. And she didn't have a good way of working with me around that. Like, it was just kind of like, well, this is what I recommend. And I remember thinking like, why does this have to be so hard? 
Like, does it really have to be this hard? And I remember Googling weight loss for doctors, weight loss for physicians. Like certainly somebody must be helping the doctors to lose weight. And all that came up were medical weight loss clinics. And I was like, no, I don't need to medicalize this problem. I don't need shots. I don't need surgery. I don't need pills. Like, I mean, could I have done those things? I'm sure I could have, but how was that going to be any different than Weight Watchers? Like I knew that wasn't going to be a permanent solution. And so uh, so I was just really, even then contemplating, maybe I just need to accept the fact that a lot of people gain weight as they get older. And that's just like, okay, maybe that could just be okay, which I think is, is a real option. I really, really yeah. do. But I just kind of felt like I, I felt like I hadn't exhausted all of my options to go like, okay, well then this is me. And now let me work on the self-acceptance piece. So I had actually worked with a friend who'd become a life coach a couple of years prior. That's how I found life coaching. I was having just kind of like a personal issue with, um, with a, a family member and I knew I didn't need therapy, but I needed something. And so she helped me. I just really coached with her like twice. And she really, really helped me a lot. And I'd already in the back burner, my mind been like, maybe I want to become a coach. Like, you know, I wish I knew this stuff earlier. Like I, I should teach my adolescent patients this stuff. Like they should know this. They shouldn't wait till they're 40 to find this out. And so it was kind of on my someday list. Cause it just wasn't a good time. Um, you know, my youngest was like one and it, we were moving out of the house for a home renovation. It was just, it was not a good time. So, uh, so anyway, fast forward, I had still been kind of, you know, watching a little bit of the life coaching world. And I saw that they were using life coaching, like tools and skills to help with weight loss. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's the missing piece. Cause I, like, I still didn't think I was an emotional eater until basically one of the nutritionists I work with, she was like, you should buy any book by Janine Roth and read it. And I was like, why? You know, like, I was like, I don't do that. And then I read this book and even then reading the book, it didn't hit me. It was like later I was, I remember I was in the shower and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, what if emotional eating is eating for any reason that isn't because you need fuel for your body. And I was like, oh, well, I totally do that then. If that's the case, then I totally do that. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm card carrying member, emotional eater. So I basically became a coach and did this intensive life coaching based weight loss program and decided to leave my practice like all at the same time, essentially. Wow. wow. Yes. So it was a big transition. And I really didn't even have really any desire to have a business or anything like that. But when I saw how much it helped me and I just love these tools and this works so much, I really have the thought, I'm like, maybe there's some other doctors out there who might want some help like this. They might want this information. And so I thought, well, I guess I could try it and I'll just see if people want this. And it's just completely exploded. So I started a podcast. It's called weight loss for busy physicians. I started, I were almost at a, a three year anniversary, I think in January. Um, and so, yeah, it's almost three years and, um, it, it just completely took off and turned out there were a lot of doctors and a lot of non-doctors too. I have tons and tons of people who listen to my podcast and lose a ton of weight just from listening. And so this is what I do now. This is my passion. I don't work as a doctor anymore, but I help doctors, female physicians in clinical practice to lose weight because I do really understand their schedule. I know what it's like to be a surgeon and to be, you know, in a case for nine hours straight and not being able to leave and eat a snack or, you know, eat anything or be so exhausted after that you want to reward yourself with a treat. Cause you know, hospitals have terrible food for you in case you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I do now. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey. And I think, yes, there's so much to unpack and it's so fascinating, but I do think, right, so many women can relate to your story, to your struggle, to your experience. And, you know, I do, I'm sure that being a doctor and a physician, yes, like the schedule, which we can go into and talk about your program and how you coach. But when I was working in TV and, and even doing commercials, you know, those were like 16 hour days and late nights. And that's when my weight hit its peak because I was also just eating whatever I could get my hands on. Craft services, right? Which I'm sure is probably very similar to like hospital cafeterias, you know, not the healthiest food. And, um, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I do know, right. Like a lot of people just restrict or they, they, they just won't eat until they get home. But that, that was not me. Like I would be eating the pizza on the, the craft service table. Um, so how, 
do you then, right, coach these busy physicians? How did you, how do you make it work for that type of lifestyle? And like you mentioned and touched on, right, a lot of times when we're busy or we're just focusing on weight loss, we're not always focusing on nutrition, right? And like we just mentioned, the craft service table, the hospital cafeterias, the snacks, the vending machines, it's not the most nutritious food for us. So how do you work and coach in this field with these very busy, busy women? So what I found is that it's not just doctors who really struggle with the inflexible schedule. There are so many people who have the exact same thing. Like you were saying, like working on a TV set, lawyers talk about it, business people talk about being stuck in these business meetings all day and not being able to do what they you know, wanna do. And here's, this is, this is what I do, this is how I help them. And this is really like such a critical key component. If you go sign up for basically like just about any commercial weight loss program, what they're going to do is they're going to give you a plan and they're going to give you a framework, you know, to use. And of course, you know, you might be able to sub some things in, or if you're vegetarian or vegan, you can make some adjustments, but they're basically going to tell you like, eat this much, eat this often, you know, this like meals or snacks or things like that, they're going to give you a framework and then it's up to you to follow it. I had found so many times, like I would, you know, buy something, some online program and it's like, you know, here are all these recipes to make it even easier. And I'm like, my kids are not going to eat this. And I don't even have picky eaters. Like they're good eaters. But I was like, I'm not going to go and do like making a meal for me and making a meal for them. I was finding the same thing when I tried macros. It was just like, I would sit them all down to eat a meal. And then I'd go back into the kitchen and make my like weird cobbled together meal to make the macros work. Like it just, it just wasn't working. So what you have to do is you have to create your own plan that works for you. So that's what I help every single one of my clients to do is to create a personalized tailor-made plan that works for them and their personal schedule. Cause I couldn't possibly begin to know how they should eat or what their life is like. And sometimes, you know, I have people who are shift workers, right? We have people who work in ICUs and ERs and they're working nights and they're working evenings, they're working daytime. Like they have to figure out what works. So they do that with the guidance of me and, and the, um, the coaches that I work with that, you know, my team to experiment. I think this is where people get stuck. They're like, Hey, listen, it's going to be way better when I lose this weight. Like I cannot stand where I am right now. Like I feel you know, gross, disgusting, whatever, all the words that people say when they, when they get to that point of, I have to do something about this. And then they just want to lose the weight fast. They don't want to take the time to experiment, to try something, to allow it to fail, to not work and to make adjustments until they find the thing that will work for them. Because then that's the way they can eat the whole rest of their lives. Like this is the secret to maintenance. You create a plan for yourself that you actually love following that has all food that you love to eat that works in your schedule that you're, if you have a family that your family is happy to follow and you know, it, it just works for you. Then when you get to your goal weight, you don't want to change. Like, why would you change? You have created the ideal eating plan for you. So you have to be willing to figure that out. Like maybe you need more protein. Maybe you need more fat. Maybe you're someone who needs a lot of fiber and you need to have a lot of veggies. Maybe you're someone who has no time to eat all those veggies. And if you, you know, you need to be able to gobble it down fast at lunch, even though you'd like to eat slower, this is the reality of your life. And a salad that's going to take you 20 minutes to eat, it's just not going to, it's not going to work. Right. So you've got to, and and of course this is with, with guidance and, and help, but you have to be willing to go, you know what? I felt good that time when I ate like more paleo, like maybe I should try cutting down on the dairy. Like maybe that was, maybe that was a trick for me. Like, and then, and then try it for more than like three days. Cause that's what I do. I'm like, right. I'm like, oh, I tried it for three days. It didn't, I didn't lose 10 pounds. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to be willing to follow it through, make a plan. Like if you say like, I'm going to try this two, three weeks, see what the results are. I always tell my clients, like, think about it, like the scientific method, like you're literally doing like a lab test. You're not like emotional when you're doing like scientific research. You're like, okay, let's follow the study through that. Let's look at our results. And then let's make a plan moving forward from there. That's interesting. I think I'm curious how you marry those things because obviously you're dealing with a lot of scientific people, right? If you're, if most of your clientele are doctors are, um, or surgeons or whatever, you know, in the medical field, they 
probably respond to something like that because that's sort of like the mindset that they're used to. And that's, they like enjoy facts or data, like even observing, experimenting, that kind of thing, which I believe truly does work for everybody. And I've experimented even on my own body, how to, how I feel looking at patterns of eating certain things. When do I feel most sort of like my energy is optimized? Um, But I am curious because we are also all people. And you did mention that you know, you came to a realization that you had emotional eating tendencies and you referenced Janine Roth's work, who we also are fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that component, especially with busy physicians where perhaps they do need to tap into the psychological or the emotional component to it? Um, where, do you, where do you like marry those things in the coaching process for them? So what I do is I get them started with the eating plan, right? We call it a protocol. Like they create their own protocol. We get them like we get, I always tell them like, we need to get your hormones working properly. We need to get your insulin levels to fight, you know, like we need to just get you insulin sensitive. Like let's get your body functioning the way a normal human body was supposed to function. So the first thing that we do is we get them started losing weight. We have them create their personalized eating plan that we call their protocol. So we do the protocol creation. And you know, I start I start like seeding in some of the life coaching tools, like just a lot of awareness of what they're thinking, when they're wanting to eat, checking in first, like why do I want to eat this food? Like how what am I actually feeling? Mm. What is my emotion before I eat this food? Just like identifying what it is. And then we start gradually digging in because once you have your eating plan, going, like, then you know what you do? You literally just follow it. Like, (laughs) it's very boring. I always say, I'm like, the the food stuff is the least interesting part of what we do. Then we dig into the emotional part. Like, what are all the reasons why you're eating food? And for a lot of them, drinking more alcohol than you'd like. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but plenty do. Like, what is going on in your life that's so intolerable that you need food to help you to cope? And then let's start actually digging into that and looking at what your mindset is around that. What is your thinking around like that person, that person you work with or your spouse or your children or your mom or, you know, whatever it is that's going on your job. Like so many of them come to me, like hating their jobs, wanting out so bad. And on the other end, they're like, oh my gosh, I seriously love being a doctor. Like all that their job has not changed. What has changed is the way that they think about it. And so, so what's hard is the whole Kind of culture of medicine can be very cynical and very, um, it's like, it's almost like you're like this idea that you're being punished, you know, by like the, the problems or, you know, the difficult patients or whatever stuff that's coming in. And it's just changing that whole mindset to, this is an absolute joy and pleasure and honor mm-hmm. to be invited into this person's life and to actually be able to help them. Like if I'm living in the future or living in a place where I don't want to be here, then of course my experience of being here is awful. But if I can just stay in the present and connect with this person in front of me and really help them and enjoy that process, then I don't need to go sneak graham crackers from the you know, patient snacks closet yeah. <laughs> you know, to make it through my shift. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I've been more and more exposed recently through my own personal experiences with really with hospital life, especially in intensive care. And it's, um, I have more insight in a real way of how demanding, physically demanding the job is and also emotionally demanding. I think, um, And then especially like in light of the fact that like all of our medical professionals this year, I think this has been highlighted on a bigger level just culturally with COVID and um, just the amount of emotional stress. I mean, seeing the worst of the worst sometimes um, and having to be present and having to show up and then use your expertise in that moment. But then also sometimes doing 12 hour shifts or doing shifts back to back or doing them through the night that are 12 hour shifts. I mean, how, how does anybody's personal body function in the way that we're supposed to when those are the demands of the job? You understand why and then to couple that, which I'd love to go into with like how unhealthy <laughs> the options are within, which is, is yeah. sort of backwards, but like within hospitals, whether you're a patient or an employee, um, the food that's you're surrounded with, and Erica mentioned vending machines and, and it's just, I, I don't know how it, our 
our medical professionals aren't getting sick, you know? And it's like, I, I have a dream that we could, we can change that. And I do think it's changing. I think there's so many more Western medicine doctors who are kind of seeing things from like a functional medicine approach and like Mm -hmm. looking at root causes of things and looking at lifestyle because of the chronic illness in our country. Um, And I do think there's definitely a massive sort of movement in that direction. But I also can understand like on a deep level now how doctors, nurses, any medical professionals who are in especially like high intensity hospital settings are not always set up for success in their own health. Oh, totally. And no one teaches you as a doctor how to take care of yourself. That's the irony. It's like, this is just, just learning how to actually embody their physical form is something I have to teach my clients, because what we do, I always kind of, you know, jokingly say, we like learn to decapitate ourselves. Like we just live up here in our heads Mm -hmm. and we ignore everything that's happening in our bodies. Because if you're tired or your body hurts or you need to pee or, you know, whatever your back hurts, like it's not relevant. Like, you know, that's generally like a message from your body telling the brain like, Hey, that's what's going on out here. Do you want to do something different? And the brain's like, I don't want to hear from you. Shut it. Like that's basically what we learned to do to just completely stuff down any emotions that we have, which, you know, sometimes might actually be appropriate, right? Like it's, you don't want your, your doctor to be like, you know, blubbering and sobbing and like, you know, like (laughs) it's okay to have emotions, but you know, they need to hold it together to a certain extent. But what we're then not taught is, but then how do you process those emotions later. There are so many doctors who are dealing with like tragedy and really sad things, the highs and lows every day, and they don't know how to deal with it. And what I, and I, you know, as a pediatrician, I definitely could tell you stories of things that happen, but not to the extremes of what a lot of doctors see. But even so I would come home so just mentally wiped, like just absolutely, like I couldn't even, I, I didn't even want to form sentences anymore, you know? And so what I would do is I would just, you know, pour my glass, myself a glass of Prosecco and pop some popcorn and just eat that. Like I didn't even, I just wanted comfort. All I wanted was comfort. I didn't want to have to tell my husband the story of what happened or rehash it or journal about it or anything, but I also didn't know the benefit of that. I didn't know that that really would have helped me. I just thought like, this is just what my life is like. And so as far as the hospital food goes, what I have found with my clients is that it's so variable. Like it, I think it depends on where in the country you live, or if you live, you know, outside the country. Um, I think some places are way better than others. And, but I think that there's a, the common theme is that if you're looking for junky food or like that quick dopamine hit, it will be available everywhere. You yes. have to be taking the, the, you have to swim upstream, right. To, to go find the salad bar or like go find that healthier option that may not taste as good and is really just like making the hunger go away versus something that actually tastes delicious. What a lot of people end up doing is just bringing their food, bringing their own meals and they just handle it themselves. And I think, I think it really just depends. I've also had clients who live, you know, like in New York city and they're like, I eat every meal out. I'm like, no problem. We can totally work with that too. So we can work with like whatever the situation is for that person. But I think if you are really like in a hospital setting for a long time and just what's available to you, isn't going to work for you, then you just have to take matters into your own hands. And that's part of really that's just maturity, right? That's kind of part of adulting being like, well, what's available to me. And here's the thing, like it could be as simple as like going to your local health food grocery store and getting some pre-made meals that work for you. And just like packing those up in a cooler and bringing them. It doesn't have to be like complicated or fancy, or like you can go through the salad bar at a grocery store and bring that in for yourself. Right. Like you can really make it easy when you get creative. And that's what I encourage my clients to do. Part of creating that whole protocol is going through and thinking about like all of the places you drive by wherever you go. Cause some people will work like in this clinic in the morning and then drive somewhere else in the afternoon. And you know, they're kind of in different places. My husband's ear, nose and throat. He goes to, I think like, I don't know, like eight different locations or something. I've given up. I have no idea where he is ever at any point. I don't even know anymore. Because once it started going like every other week, I'm here and there. I'm like, forget it. I'm done. But so if you know where all the restaurants are, and we're talking like fast food, you know, even a convenience store or like a gas station, grocery stores, sit down places you can get takeout from, like all of those places. If you've done your research in advance and you know, like, oh, at Chick-fil-A, I can get this salad or this salad, 
then when you need food and you're right by Chick-fil-A, you're like, okay, my decisions are made. Like, I'm just going to get this salad. Like, this is the thing that I get there and you can make it work for you. You know? Absolutely. I think that's really interesting too. I think something you shared as well that I think is probably like universally relatable as well is that concept of when you're dealing with a lot of heavy heaviness, you know, especially in this line of work, but I think everyone has felt like a certain level of heaviness this entire year. Um, it's, it's very hard to, to process those feelings. And so you're the Prosecco and the popcorn or the bag of chips, the cookies or whatever it's, it's there. And so, and again, and I think what is interesting is like you also mentioned doctors and I think just general Americans as well, we're not taught, right? Like how to feed ourselves, how to take care of ourselves. And though even right, like about nutrition, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you said, like, you know, you're going to get that, that dopamine hit from that warm cookie, but in an hour, you're going to have a crash and pay for it. Like we're not taught these things. And it does, it's, it was so surprising as I entered this wellness world that even our medical professionals, right. Aren't I was just taught say, about nutrition. Doctors don't know either. Some of them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was wondering like what tips then like that I'm sure like everyone, all of our listeners can really take with them, but what tips do you give people or how do you start to like educate right on nutrition of like why you should choose the salad, you know, or the veggies or, you know, the, the not, the non like dopamine hit foods, um, over the quick fixes, right? Like what, what do you feel like your reception is to that? But like, how do you coach? And then, um, also that emotional component, right? Like even if, cause I feel like sometimes, and I don't know if you feel this as well, but sometimes weight, weight loss isn't always like a strong enough goal, right? Like you said, like you, that's why, right? Like you mentioned my twenties and thirties were those same 40 pounds back and forth. Cause you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to lose weight or wanting, you know, to, to lose weight. But if that's your, why the popcorn and Prosecco, kind of, at least for me as an emotional eater, it always, it's why I couldn't sustain my weight loss because it wasn't a strong enough reason to avoid the, the yummy bad food. (laughs) I 100% agree with you. And what I, what I think that people don't understand is that, you know, we, we know what our actions are that give us the results we want. Right. And we know what actions we take that don't give us the results that we want. Right. And we, I'm like going through like a sleeve of Oreos, you know, like every night, like that doesn't give me a result that I want, but what we don't know is why we're taking the actions that we're taking. And so it's really important that we understand that there's always a feeling or emotion that's driving our actions. And then what creates our feelings are our thoughts. And so if you have thoughts that you think on a regular basis that make you feel a certain way and that feeling drives you to take the action of eating the sweets or eating, you know, the chips or, you know, drinking or whatever it is, that will give you that result that you don't want. So then what we do is we sign up for like a diet program or like, I'm going to do whole 30 for a month or whatever. And so what we do then is we change the action Mm -hmm. and we do get a different result but we have a hard time keeping up that action because we still are thinking that old thought, those old thoughts that create those feelings that make us want to overeat, right? And so we have to spend time understanding why we even do what we do in the first place to be able to meaningfully change it, right? So when it's like, well, how do I get to that place? Like, what is that? Why? I mean, I found clients who are, have the why of like, I want to feel more comfortable in my body. I want to have more energy. I want to sleep better. I want to avoid, you know, they, they, they're very educated on risk factors and, you know, they know, like a lot of people like type two diabetes, how bad could it be? Well, they know how bad it can be. Like they know the worst of the worst. Right. But even that often, all of those things are not compelling enough. What I find is that, I mean, definitely having more than one thing is, is, um, definitely good. Um, but I think that it really has to come down to wanting more for yourself, like wanting to use your opportunity at this, in this life to mm-hmm. grow, to evolve, to become a higher version of yourself, to be able to set big goals for yourself and achieve them and get the pleasure that comes from achievement, which is like a natural pleasure. Like our brains are set up like this one doesn't, doesn't cause weight gain. You know, this is a good one right? To set that goal. And here's the thing, what, what you have to go through to be able to lose weight. Like once you understand that process, 
you can apply that same process to any goal that you have. I've seen this time and again, where my clients are like, I lost the weight. And then I got this big promotion. And then I, you know, started dating and found, you know, my future spouse. And then like, they, they're just like, wait, if I can solve this weight thing, then I can do all these other things that I've been putting on hold until then. So that can be pretty compelling. Like I want to get this under control just because I want to learn how to actually manage my mind. And I'm going to do it through the lens of weight loss. But when it comes to when you're talking about nutrition, I mean, doctors know the concept. What we're taught, we're not taught very much about nutrition at all in medical school. What we're taught is like really super rare vitamin deficiencies that you're probably never, ever going to see in any kind of first world <laughs> kind of situation. Um, so, you know, we have tests on that kind of stuff, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just complicated because, you know, food and politics and no one can agree on what's the healthiest thing. And to be honest, like what works great for one person may not be the best thing for the next person. So yeah. there, there's that in there as well. And that's tricky. What, what they, they come to me typically with like the baseline knowledge of like, I know what I should be doing, but I'm just not doing it. Or like, I never learned how to cook in that way. Like I know I'm supposed to eat more vegetables, but I don't like vegetables. So what should I do? Things like that. I like to keep things really, really simple. And I also always tell them that if you like, if you don't think that healthy food tastes good, it's generally because your taste buds are jacked up from all the processed food and sugar that mm -hmm. you've been eating. So what I ask my clients to do initially for at least like the four to, first four to six weeks is to just take a break from eating sugar and flour. So that doesn't mean like keto. It doesn't mean that you can't eat fruit or anything. You can have whole grains. Like you're definitely having carbs, but you're just not eating like actual sugar, <laughs> like if things that have sugar in them um, or actual flour. And people are like, what about almond flour? I'm like, you know, almonds are great, but use your teeth to grind them up. You know, like you don't need things that have <laughs> almond flour in it. Just like, like, just let your body go back to basics on normal food. And when you take sugar and flour out of your diet, that takes out like probably 96 to 7% of the processed food that's out there, right? Like it's just, it really cuts things down and you can learn to cook things really simply, but in a really flavorful way. In fact, I actually tell my clients first, I'm like, I don't want you, I don't let them trade recipes. I don't let them um, go researching for more recipes. I'm like, you don't need that. You already have what you need. What do you like to eat? make that <laughs> like again and again and again, you know? Um, so, so I just really try to keep it simple. And then what they find is that their taste buds readjust mm. and they're like, Oh my gosh, this carrot is so sweet. Or I had a peach and it was like amazing. Oh my God. Right. So like those dopamine hits that they were getting from eating candy or cake or ice cream or whatever, they're getting it now, which is natural. Like our brains are set up for, you know, to reward us for eating food, but with healthier food. So it's not like they come to me, like literally clueless, having no idea that like Cheetos aren't a good idea. They just are like, I just, I don't eat. It gets to kind of like this, this like helpless kind of situation where they're like, I'm so far gone. Where do I even start? I don't even know what to do. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you what to do. No flour, no sugar. And you get to eat as often as you want. Just eat lots of fat, like healthy fats. And you will feel amazing and by, you know, four weeks, like people who do it. And it's the same experience I had. I was like, I feel amazing. I didn't even know how low my energy was until I actually had good energy. Right. And so their results kind of speak for themselves. Like I don't have to really convince them because they feel so good. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor and one of our favorite wellness brands, Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. After interviewing co-founder Adrian Zimmerman on the podcast and trying their products, Allie and I were both instant fans of the products and of the company. As someone who struggles with anxiety, my favorite product is definitely the full spectrum hemp oil line. I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood when I take it consistently, so I have made it part of my daily self-care routine. Every day I use the 750 milligram tincture and do two droplets under my tongue in the morning and evening. I also love applying the hemp infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed as I am winding down and always use my tincture as an alternative to any pain medication if I get hit with a headache. 
What's great about Ned is that they also offer a North Star membership where with zero commitment, I can have my favorite products delivered monthly at an extra discount with free shipping and no annual fee. I have also become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's Natural Cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. Also, I recently started incorporating Ned's limited release immunity blend tincture into my routine as well. This blend combines botanicals, herbs, and fungi to offer functional immune support. 100% of profits are donated to EcoHealth Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash CW podcast. That's H E L L O N E D dot com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. Now back to the episode. I imagine that's also um, helpful for them from a, like from an empathy standpoint with, with patients, depending on obviously what kind of medicine they practice. But, you know, I think there's this old sort of point of view, like, oh, well, you have like a willpower issue or you have a, this issue, like, like certain kind of, I think there can be judgment oftentimes even with patients. Blame the patient. Blame the patient. And it's like, once you start to really wake up to the fact that like, a, we have a lifestyle and then B, we have like a food industry, which you kind of tap into with, with the concept of just like processed food. But, you know, I'm really interested in, there's so much like food oppression and there's so much, um, there's like chemical bliss points, you know, there's like manufactured bliss points that keep people addicted. They keep, they keep your brain sort of like, you know, wanting that next fix. And, um, and that's the world we live in. So once I think physicians can really understand that, there's probably more of an understanding for patients that might be dealing with different, you know, medical issues as a result of, um, of the, like, of the world that we exist in and the food system that we exist in. And I just think that's really interesting because again, like you said, it's not like, you know, it's not like doctors aren't people. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what actually makes being an overweight doctor kind of worse. Cause there's this underlying like humiliation and embarrassment about it, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm supposed to know better, or I feel like I do know better and I just can't do it. Or I've had so many OBGYNs tell me like, you know, I have all these women coming in for their well woman exam and they're asking me what they should do to lose weight. And I, I, I'm telling them go to Jenny Craig or go do whatever. And I know it's not going to work because it doesn't work for me. Like it's like this added layer of like, I should totally be able to do this myself, except I am not. And what does that mean about me? Right. Something's really wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Like there's already perfectionism, imposter syndrome issues going on for many of them anyway. Mm. And this is just another example of how they're not good enough. And so it's, it's, we really have to dig into the self-worth, the self-regard kind of component. That's a huge part of it. I'm always like, listen, it took me years to figure this out. I'm just going to cut to the chase with you. I'm going to spare you so much time. Like you will not solve your eating problem until you really do that inner work on, you know, caring about yourself enough, respecting yourself enough that you don't want to just go with the flow and eat whatever crap is laying around that you do want to wait till you get home and not eat the pizza at craft service, you know, table, or you do want to take the few moments to pack something to bring it because you love yourself too much to not do that. Yeah. Because all of the messages out there are going to drive you down that mainstream, you know, kind of highway of eating all the junk. I mean, there's a a massive grocery store uh, a little ways away from here. I mean, it's massive. And the whole width of the store is one long aisle and it's all chips. The first time I went in there, I saw it. I was like, this is so depressing. Like, this is the world we live in. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it is. And it, it it's, yeah, you, you bring up so many interesting points too. And I, I have a question as well, if you ever come across this, because I think, right, this happens sometimes where, you know, do you ever find that sometimes, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase the question, but where some people like they have a goal, right? Or maybe, maybe they're not like massively overweight, but they feel tired or they don't have the energy and they're eating crap and they go to you for help because they want to lose weight and feel better. Um, but, or, or even for vanity reasons, right? They just, they're just like totally you said, okay. their clothes are getting too tight and, and they want to, um, get back into, you know, a smaller size that they once were. But do you ever find that some people, right? Like when they find the way that works for them to eat, that it's not always what they imagined their body would look like, if that makes sense. Like basically if their vision is I'm going to be like a size two, but their natural, happy, healthy body is like a size six or a size eight or a size 10 or a size 12, you know, there's healthy comes in many different forms. Mm -hmm. Have you ever found that to be something maybe that you also then have to coach or help people get through to be like, it's not like skinny isn't one size, healthy isn't one size. Look at you, you're eating this great, healthy, nutritious diet and you've lost five pounds, but now like that's where you're staying. Let's be happy with that. I, I don't know if that yeah, makes no, sense as formulating the question. But yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's a couple parts to this. The first is if you are really following your hunger signals, right? So you've, you've learned to listen to your body when it tells you it needs food and you eat until it's satisfied and it's had enough and not more than that. And you're not eating for other emotional reasons and your body levels out at whatever place. Like, I think we can confidently say that that's your ideal size. But here's the thing about like the being disappointed. I talk about this in advance all the time because here's what people think. They're like, well, I think I'm, you know, I'm 47, but I think I'm going to look like a 16 year old when I lose this weight, you know, and not, and like, what's funny is often, even when, even if they were thin, when they were 16, they didn't look the way they thought a 16 year old should look like, you know, they, they're like disappointed. Cause they're like, you know, I've had a baby and I have, you know, loose skin and I have wrinkles and I have, you know, cellulite and I have whatever. And so we have to do like, you know, your, your, your body image is just a collection of thoughts that you have about your body that you believe. I remember when this really, really hit home for me, I have always, so I, you know, I'm, I'm 44. I grew up when Kate Moss and like heroin chic, that was like the total model. Like that's, you know, if you look like emaciated, like that was ideal, right? Like that was totally so amazing that is not my body habitus, like at all, ever, ever. And I'm someone who puts on muscle very, very easily. And I just would never have that like waif look. And so all the messages were like, you don't look like this person. That's not okay. And deep down, I think I knew I can never look like this, this ideal that they're telling me is like the ideal way. So my legs have always been something that has been something that bothers me, like feeling like my thighs are too big and that they should be thinner and wishing my legs look different. And going through all of this work, I remember one day getting out of the shower, drying myself off and looking at my thighs and the scale had gone up a little that day and thinking like, ew, gross, you know, whatever, like, ugh, like, you know, just kind of like the dissatisfaction that I had with my thighs. And then the next day, the scale had gone down and I got out of the shower and I was drying off and I looked at my legs and they, they genuinely looked better to me, but there's no possible way that that little bit of weight loss could have, could be detectable by my eyes in that moment, right? There's just like no possible way. It, it just showed so clearly to me. I, I remember thinking to myself, like, what if they look the same? They always have looked this way, the good way, Right. It's just on the days when I'm committed to thinking a negative thought about myself, I actually literally visually see it differently mm. to prove the point that my thighs are a problem, right? Like, so, so you really, that's the work that we have to do on, like, I love my body. My body is amazing. 
I, I mean, like, like just, I just have so much gratitude for my body for just yeah. being what I can, you know, do it, like live in throughout my life and all of that. But I do also think that like, if your dream is to be like super lean and like, you know, totally like jacked and whatever, like you can, <laughs> you can achieve that. What I find is that a lot of people want that look, but they don't want to do what's required to get that look. That's yeah. No, thank you. I think that that was exactly like you were able to translate my, my jumble. Cause I think as well, it's like weight and body image and feelings, right. And feel all of this is so loaded, especially for women. And then when you add in physicians who are caring for so many people, or, you know, um, it's just, this is such a loaded conversation. And I think, as you mentioned, like, I think there could be, right. You lose the weight and then you're like, oh, I kept this promise to myself. Now look at all these other things I can do. Um, but I think a lot of times people have the opposite where they lose the weight and they're still dissatisfied with their body or they lose the weight, but the, 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 the feet, like it's still there. Right. It's right. just, well, they're like, their brain, they is still the have to deal with the stuff. Yeah. They're yeah like, exactly. I'm very disappointed because I thought when I was a size four, I would just be happy all the time. And you know, my kids wouldn't annoy me and I would like my job. Like what's something's gone wrong here. <laughs> exactly. But it's this like phantom city. So I think that's why it is so important, you know, as we talk about weight, as we do the work, especially for women. Right. So that's why it's important to work through all this stuff or else. Yeah. Like you'll lose the weight. You could gain it back or you have all the same issues in a, in a smaller body. Exactly. So. I mean, here's the thing that I always try remember. And I remind my clients often there are lots of miserable, skinny people like, and, yeah. and not right. Like people who just don't have a weight problem <laughs> and unhealthy, <laughs> right? Like you can be like skinny doesn't equal yeah, healthy. That doesn't equate happy, except that we, we really believe that it just maybe for me though, I think it might be true, you know? <laughs> and so we don't do that internal work that requires maintenance. This isn't like I do the work and now I'm done. And then like, that's it. And forevermore, I'm happy every day right? Like you have to be maintaining, managing your mind to create the experience of your life. And then on top of it, you get to live your life in a body that feels like the right size for you. Right? Yeah. Like I'm so clear. I'm like, listen, I do not care what you weigh. I do not care what size you are. You are a whole, perfect, valuable, amazing human being at the size you are now, 50 pounds heavier, 50 pounds lighter, hundred pounds heavier, hundred pounds lighter, anywhere in between. That is the work we need to do. And then you lose weight just because you want to. And because you think you're so awesome that you're like, yeah, I don't want to hurt my body by overeating anymore. It's very right. different than I will be acceptable once I lose right. weight. Yeah. It's, and it's in that, I think there's, um, as you guys both mentioned with the elements of diet culture, I mean, it it sort of deals with that, but from an individual point of view, like with what is your why, what is, and what are your expectations surrounding that? And it's like, oh, if you're really not so much worried about your weight, but, but you're feeling unhappy and you're equating weight with that, then it's like, then the work is really in the unhappiness, not necessarily in the weight. Um, and I think we often do sort of conflate different things. Like, and, and seek, you know, Erica and I talk about the seek outside of ourselves for when I have this X, when I have this X. And it's like, that's never going to be a sustainable model, whether it's for weight or anything else. Because well, I mean, that's how we all get through our medical training, right? Like once I get done with intern year, then it'll be better. Oh, well, being a resident sucks too. Okay. Once I'm, you know, the senior resident, then it'll be better. Oh, okay. Then you get there. You're like, this is not that great. Okay. Once I graduate and I become an attending, like then it'll be better. And then you become an attending and you are making the money and you know, everything. And you look around and you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. It's very, very disappointing when you've put all that time and effort and money and everything into creating this life that you thought, you know, that carrot you were dangling for yourself. And then that's, you know, right. turns out this whole time that was just this made up story that you made, you know, you created in your head that doesn't even exist. I think that, thank you. I think that's actually good for anybody to hear. I mean, yes, it's very specific as far as like maybe what people do experience in medicine, but at the same time, I think we all as humans have a tendency to do that. Once I have the and, baby, once I get married, once right. I get the house, once I, you know, we get into the private school or country club, whatever it is, like any, whatever the thing is. Yeah. And it's like, want. 
nothing changes. Thank you so much for sharing this and thank you for sharing everything you've shared with us today. So as we begin to wrap up, we always ask three questions. And the first is what does your self-care practice look like? And I think that's so, I'm so interested to hear what self-care looks like for you specifically. Well, I am someone who, and, and like literally as these words come out of my mouth, it's like, like, it's so funny that I've become this person. Cause I always used to be like, wouldn't it be nice to be that person? I'm someone who's a lot happier naturally if I exercise, mm. <laughs> right? You know, those people be like, I wish, like I'm crappy when I exercise. No, like if I exercise, it really does just easily and naturally improve my mood. So I don't do it necessarily every single day, but I really do try um, to, you know, several times a, um, a week to exercise. So that helps a lot. Um, I am a big fan of meditation. I really, really love um, Deepak Chopra has these guided meditations, these like 21 day kind of journeys that I think are fabulous. I love them. They're like 15, 20 minutes, like perfect amount of time. I think they're amazing. And then I do some journaling as well. The kind of journaling that I do right now is a kind of real specific kind of journaling. Um, I've been a chronic pain sufferer my whole life and that's like a whole other story, (laughs) but, um, but there's a specific kind of journaling that really, really helps with chronic pain. I've basically been able to solve problems that I've had like literally like 30 plus years. I literally just got myself off a medication that I've been on for 21 years, um, doing this work. And so it's a real specific kind of journaling that, um, that really, really helps a lot. So I, I can't say that I'm consistent every single day, like always being able to do them all, but. Um, but I really love those. And the other thing is if I can get out into nature, um, we have like a, a, just this real small little forest exploration center nearby, like even just, just walking in there and just being in there for like a few minutes, it literally, it's like, it feels like a complete, like, I feel like the air is more oxygenated in there. I don't know what it is. I'm in there. I'm like, yes, I'm grounded. I feel so good. And then I come out like ready to go. Thank you. That's great. Um, Okay. So our next question is, do you have a book recommendation for our listeners that um, it can be really on anything? It can be on the work that you do or just something that's meant something to you over the course of your journey? Gosh, so many good books. How do I even pick? Um, Well, if anybody wants a weight loss book to just like, if they're kind of like, I'm just so confused. I don't know what to do. The book that really, really helped me. And I, it's like required reading for all of my clients is called the obesity code. And it's by Dr. Jason Fung. Um, he's a nephrologist, a kidney specialist out of Toronto. And you know, they kidney specialists take care of type two diabetics when their kidneys go bad and they need dialysis and things like that. And so he was like, none of this is making sense with all this obesity. And he did tons of research and really just was like, this is why everything we've been taught is wrong. And this is what we need to do instead. And it's, um, it has enough science in it, but it's like, we're still readable to like normal people. And, um, and I think it just, it completely just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And also explains why, you know, um, low calorie, low fat, like didn't work at all. And if anything made us like so much more, you know, less healthy. So that's a great one for that. I am a huge, huge fan of the book um, called Grit by Angela Duckworth. That one made a big, big difference for me. I read it for the first time a few years ago. And um, it's just, it's like, I, I just, I, oh my gosh, I could just go on and on. It's just such a great book about helping you to understand how to accomplish hard things in your life. And weight loss is no different. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those recommendations. Um, I'm definitely going to check out both of them. Uh, so the last question that we ask is what does being courageous mean to you? For me, it means showing up and doing what's hard, even when you're scared, even when you don't have the confidence, like courage doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we often are like waiting till we feel good or we feel ready, but that's not what courage is. So being courageous is feeling not ready, right? Feeling like this is super hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm totally confused. And then just figuring it out anyway. Thank you. I like that. Um, Okay. So if anyone wants to either work with you or follow you or find your work, uh, where can they, where can they find you? Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram. My handle is coach Katrina Ubel MD. I also have a podcast, Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. You do not have to be a doctor to listen. In fact, I actually have a lot of doctor listeners who recommend the podcast to their patients. Mm -hmm. So I have lots and lots of people who've had tons of success in weight loss just from listening. And then if you want to check out my website, it's katrinaubellmd.com. Great. Thank you so much again. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.